The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Uh, That hint of fall is in the air. Has been for a couple of days now. Temperatures are getting down towards the 50s at night. Um, Into the 50s, actually. Rumor has it we're still hitting 80s during the day, though, especially this week. Yep, but it's unmistakable. Uh, Fall will be here really, really soon. Yeah. And with it comes hockey. We are 23 days and change away from the opening of the season. Nice. I'm seeing adverts on the telly for it. They're starting to push for opening night. Uh, uh, I haven't seen any advertisements on the the four-letter network as of yet as far as the upcoming season. There's, it's going to be on more channels than, than we're used to. Um, looks like there's going to be games on TNT this year. Um, I'm I'm hoping for to be able to turn on the TV and you know have my choice of three or four games any given day. That would be wow selection. I mean to think about it, that's just phenomenal. It, so much actually, confusing, honestly. To actually choose which game I want to watch, especially if it's a night where the Bruins aren't playing. Yes. That sounds like uh, uh, certainly something that I have not experienced. Uh, In a recently. very long time. Yeah. And and to have guys like, I don't know, John Tortorella, who's going to be commenting on hockey, that should be. Unless, of course, they they silence him in some way. Or, or somehow he's going to get moused. It's <laughs> he's it's all but inevitable. He's going to get moused. It's a terrible thing because he, I think he has a lot to offer in terms of insight and uh, just historical, not historical. The 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 veteran perspective, the coach's perspective, but yeah, he's got a lot it, of experience and he's good at what he does. It was certain, but you can't, it, it wouldn't make sense to, it, uh, well, it wouldn't make sense. It's not going to be the same if he's got to say it in a way that isn't him, I guess is the way I want to put it. I mean, he has a unique, he, he has a unique style and we know he has fun with the press and, we know he has fun with, at his press conferences. I mean, just go ask that reporter who had to turn over his phone during a press conference. I mean, <laughs> if that wasn't one of the most entertaining things John Tortorella has ever done. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. Oh, this is his mom. Yeah. Um, he, he's working right now. He'll have to call you back. <laughs> Very entertaining. So this week's show is is actually we've got a few things to talk about, and a couple of them are pretty um, substantial topics. Actually, um, I know that we've we've been hitting on the on on Mr. Aldrich and his, uh, for lack of a better word, exploits. Uh, oh yeah, and and. 
how much fun that is, but apparently um, one of the members of the Chicago Blackhawks, Patrick Kane, actually was involved, has actually come out and said that he was involved in the investigation uh, back in 2010 when a then assistant coach sexually assaulted two players. But he added that he did not know anything happened at the time. So how are you involved in the investigation? And He was asked to speak. Okay. I mean, obviously. Uh, I mean, obviously the police showed up and asked everyone who was still in town first um, about stuff that happened a decade ago because that's the way this sort of behavior that's how seriously this behavior is taken, that it takes 10 years before anyone is going to do anything. Um, I'm, I mean, I think that if Patrick Kane, I mean, obviously Patrick Kane wasn't the abuser and he obviously wasn't one of the players. I really didn't expect him to know anything. Okay. Um, it's not like he was one of the veteran players who would have had who might have had, you know, a rookie living with him that year, um, as we've seen with, you know, experienced players um, here in Boston and a couple of other cities. He was just another one of those young guys, really good. But let's remember, Patrick Kane at this point in his career is still the party boy, Patrick Kane. And I don't. I don't see anyone confiding in the who do, or anyone who doesn't know him uh, confiding in him at that point in his life. Okay. Why was he asked? Because he was there. He was a theoretical witness. I think it's just procedural. Um, should they ask him? Absolutely. There might be something that he forgot he heard or uh, didn't remember or uh, who knows? Maybe that particular coach approached him too. I don't know. I I I don't think he I don't think he was privy to any of that. I mean, I'm sure they talked to him because he was a member of the team at the time, and I'm pretty sure that if you asked all of the members of the team at the time, they'd all say, "Yeah, they were questioned." I. Not that all of them are coming out and saying that they were, but Kane chose to come out and say, look, I was part of the investigation. I'm not going to deny it. I don't know what was going on. I didn't know anything about it at the time. And that's the extent of what I have to say. I mean, he's not coming out and making any kind of grandiose statements about how he was in. he's going to bring this guy down or anything like that. It, it it was pretty much a simple, yep, I was questioned. I was part of the investigation. Didn't know anything. I mean, Bill Daly has come out and said that, and he's the deputy commissioner of, of the NHL. He's come out and said that investigation was proceeding, uh, but they still don't have a time frame for when it would be completed. Uh, and the team has pledged to release the findings, which, have we heard anything? No, I... I I have the feeling that this is going to get buried. Uh, this is this type of thing that will come out Christmas Eve at like 7 p.m. or during the Olympic break. 
or uh, two days before the playoffs start so that literally the playoff fever will bury it. It's it's going to get buried. It, it just is. Okay. I mean, there were two there were two lawsuits filed. The first alleged sexual assault by Mr. Aldrich mm-hmm. during the 2010 Stanley Cup run and title. Second was filed by a former student whom Aldrich was later convicted of assaulting. Uh, that's usually not good for your defense if you've already been convicted of doing it the first time. Oh, there's I, – I cannot imagine that with a criminal conviction he's going to win that case. Um, the, the, the really – the really scary thing for the NHL is that in that lawsuit, uh, going back to earlier stories that we, we covered, um, it alleges that the team, the team knew and did and failed to report it. uh, The the events at the, at the Blackhawks and that he therefore wouldn't have been hired to coach children um, That's what it says here. It says, according to TSN, two Chicago players told then-skills coach Paul Vincent in May of 2010 of the inappropriate behavior. Vincent said he asked mental skills coach. Didn't know they had a mental skills coach. But mental skills coach James Gary to follow up with the players and management. Then Vincent was called into a meeting with then-team president John McDonough, GM Stan Bowman, Al McIsaac. And again, James Gary, he said he asked the team to report the allegations to Chicago police, but they denied the request. So, yeah, basically, Vincent's pointing finger at the team saying, look, I told them I suggested they go to the cops. And they said, yeah, we're not doing that. Vincent Uh, insisted he stands by everything he said. Um. Bowman and Quenville have said they will cooperate with the investigation. Uh, I don't know how Quenville fits into it as the coach. It doesn't sound like he was. It doesn't. From the way it's been reported, it doesn't sound like he was involved in the backdoor meetings. But I mean, as the coach, like Patrick Kane, would he not be questioned anyway? Oh, he'll. They. The police will absolutely talk to him or whatever investigators. Uh, but I mean, I think the big thing is that the team, if Vincent is true in his reporting, I mean, the fact that the team said they weren't going to tell the police about it speaks volumes. Uh, I I think the team is going to end up uh, out a boatload of money on this and a boatload of public goodwill. I mean. Let's be honest, there's going to be less backlash than if this were a woman who had been assaulted, but it's Agreed. still going to be ugly. How much of a hit does the NHL as a whole take for what happened in one franchise? Not or much. D- or does it open the window for investigators to start peeking into other organizations i'm pretty sure that well okay if i were in charge of the nhl i would have said to all of the owners look 
you need to you need to go get your affairs in order because this isn't going to go away quietly, and you need to you need to make sure that we're not blindsided so that we can apply a coherent strategy towards dealing with this the right way um, and as with as little fanfare as possible without I was without gonna, involving ourselves in obvious cover-ups. Well, that, that was my concern, is that the NA, yes, NHL leadership, whether it's Batman, Daly, whoever, they need to not give the appearance of and they need to not actually be doing this, which is to, quote unquote, circle the wagons. If, they need to be they need to have some they need to they need to have some transparency in this. They need they need to be able to say, look, it happened. We are you know, we are sorry that it happened. And, and I don't mean it to sound as simple as that. It's not. But. They need to show that this isn't an contrition, actual contrition, and not just posing. Yes, agreed. But uh, I mean, I mean, Kane coming out, Kane coming out and making this and saying that, look, I didn't know anything about it. I mean, it it kind of keeps it kind of keeps the story moving down the road, it, it, so that it's not hidden. I suspect that Kane's remarks are in relation to someone reaching out to him. Um, whatever he does to keep himself amused, talking to the media generally isn't part of it. And no, since camps not. haven't actually opened it yet, uh, this feels like someone reached out to him either because they expected him to have been spoken to or they heard from the investigators that he was on the list of people, or maybe they just figure it the heck out. And he's certainly a big, not, he's a big name. He's a big time star in the NHL. Oh yeah. He's highly it's, visible. It's not like they went to, I don't know, whoever the fourth line center was back in 2010. I mean, it's Patrick Kane. So he's going to bring some level of attention to this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you don't know who Patrick Kane is, you probably don't know that the Chicago Blackhawks exist. Agreed. I just, I just thought it was interesting to point out that, I mean, they are still as much as we bang on and on about the fact that they still haven't done anything. And, to find something in to find a story in the headline somewhere that and and this was actually from CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Company, on their website. So it's still being paid attention to at some level. I just don't think that they're moving quickly enough to do something about this guy. They are going to keep this as under wraps as they can. They're not going to let it overshadow the season. I I said a few minutes ago I expect it to get released at a time when no one is paying attention, and I firmly believe that. And I and I will agree with that. I I think it's going to be a lot easier for them to announce it when there's a bigger story that uh, will certainly overshadow. Uh, 
Let's see. Uh, Zach Smith, uh, longtime Ottawa senator. Um, what did we say? Ninth, tenth on the team's all-times game, all-time games played list. Apparently, he's ninth on the list with 612 games. He has uh, decided to hang up the uh, skates. Um, Zach he, Smith is a guy that you were always aware of when he was on the ice. Um, and there's really not a lot out there on what he's doing next. Um, he's, he's certainly not, quote unquote, old. I mean, it says here that he was he's 33 years old. He was selected in the third round in the 08 draft. Mm-hmm. Um, he was part of Binghamton's 2010-11 Calder Cup winning squad. 20 points in 23 playoff games. Uh, not going to play <laughs> last year. It's not NHL, but any time that you score 20 points in 23 playoff games, uh, I think you're doing something right. <laughs> Did have a 25 goal season in the NHL in the 15-16 season. Mm-hmm. I think the interest. I think this is more telling is what he was expected in his of 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 his role on the team. 693 penalty minutes with the Senators, third most in franchise history. Yeah. So I get the feeling that he was kind of expected to be the um, physical guy. Yeah, he wasn't really a. He wasn't an enforcer or anything like that, but he was, he delivered hits. Uh, he was always in someone's face. Uh, still a third of a point, a third of a point per game. He had 204 points in his, in his total 662 games of his career. I know that we give grief to certain other players who used to play for the Bruins for being maybe a third of a point per game in the playoffs. But in the regular season, I, I mean, considering what he was expected to do for the organization, and like I said, I think that he was more expected to be the the physical, the the hard hitter, the I don't want to say enforcer. I know they don't like that word, and I don't think that that's what he was. I mean, enforcers tend to not score much at all. Although Sean Thornton was pretty good at being a physical guy and could still put the puck in the net every now and again. You'd see that that goal scoring ability he had he had some skills uh puck moving and whatnot i think it was a it says congratulations from the entire sense organization on a fantastic career thank you for representing the team in the city of ottawa with such passion and dedication i think that that might be the the legacy is that he represented he represented ottawa and the senators in a respectful way and in a, in a, in a professional way. And, you know, absolutely. Congratulations to him and good luck with whatever it is that he's going to be doing next. Like you said, it doesn't say here that he's got anything lined up. Yeah. I looked at a couple of different stories, didn't see anything. Um, whatever it is, I hope he enjoys it. And, um, and as, uh, and is able to keep moving uh, and enjoying everything else he does in life. Absolutely. Now, um, Zach Smith's retirement is not the only player movement news. Um, 
we mentioned uh, seeing him here in Boston a couple of weeks ago at the Bruins development camp. Uh, yep, they were having practices after. There was like a, a certainly an off the books, almost like a practice cap, uh, practice captain's practice i promise i will speak clearly <laughs> there's sort of like last night and he hasn't stopped <laughs> adult beverages galore yes that's what it is but yeah it, it, they, it, and it was it, the roster was quite interesting because we would see guys like tory krug came back and and they had young guys like Stunico were out there but they also had guys from other organizations um mr eichel was there and and this guy that we're about to talk about actually was there as well. I mean, he's a 35-year-old, but I think Cup winner. That, uh, yes, Stanley Cup winner. Um, uh, good in the face-off, Dot. Hmm. Let's see. Good in the face-off, Dot. 200-foot um, player. 200-foot player. Um, experience. Not a physicality. Profession, uh, playoff experience. Didn't the Bruins need a guy like that? The Bruins did, in fact, need a guy like that, and they did not find one. But he was skating right there in Warrior Arena. I With watched members him. members of the organization. With other players from the Bruins. Yeah, John Marino was there. I mean, it was... Uh, so, Mr. Tyler Bozak, uh, he of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, and... Certainly a Bruin killer over his time with the with the Leafs has signed a one year deal with the St. Louis Blues. And um, maybe this was the problem. Maybe they couldn't afford what he signed for. OK, because, I'm going to hold on while you tell me I am now holding on. OK, because he signed for the whopping contract of seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars plus bonuses. Oh, yeah, there's no way they could cover that. Okay, that's why they didn't go after. No way. I get it, because a second line center is not that obviously not that important, especially no. you know for a guy like Taylor Hall who was really hoping to play with David Krejci. Uh, he is thirty five years old, and he's he's another one that's going back home. He was originally acquired by the Blues back in two thousand seventeen as a free agent from Toronto. Mm-hmm. Six foot one, one hundred ninety nine pounds. Uh, I don't know why we didn't at least offer something, take a look at him. I don't know. He was right there in front of them at Warrior Arena. I don't know. I don't know what they were. I'm I'm baffled at this one. I mean, good, good luck to Tyler Bozak. I've always liked Tyler. Uh, like I said, Bruins killer. Tough to watch when they were playing the Bruins. <laughs> Just tough to play against, period. I mean, this is a guy who plays the, as much as it sounds, as much as it is a cliche, he plays the game the right way. He's there to win games. He doesn't like losing, and he's going to bring it whenever he whenever he gets on the ice. And now he'll be playing in the Western Conference. I mean, that's about the only good news about not, you know, having him as your number two center if you're the Boston Bruins. Oh, what? That he's not going to come back to haunt us like every night of the week when we play 
Tampa or, or Philly or <laughs> yeah. I just I I just I just didn't understand it. I was baffled because I mean here's a guy who's skating right here in your own rink and what I saw of him the the skills are still there. It's not like they've eroded to the point where he can't play anymore. Nope. What I watched of him and I watched him pretty closely because I was I was excited having him on the ice. I thought maybe there was a reason he was there. He was the only one skating around without any kind of jersey colors on. So, it, in fact, he was wearing a helmet with a logo from some minor league team or something. Or he didn't have any kind of NHL oh, yeah. regalia it, on his body. It looked like he was making it known that he was willing to go to pretty much any team. If, if you're that, if you want me to describe that look, that's that's what I felt. That's the impression I got. And here he is right on your ice and nothing. Zero zip zilch. Nada. So I wish him luck unless he plays against the Bruins. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was shocked. And speaking of going back home and players who have finally signed. Uh, there has been a Zdeno Shara sighting. Oh, is he back in Ottawa? He is not back in Ottawa. Did he go back to Europe to play? Nope. He discussed this with his family entirely over the summer and the fact that he was going to be away. But as to quote him, not that far away, I want to say his family is still here. I believe so, yeah. But he has actually inked a deal uh, to go back to the team that drafted him 20 years ago. 20 plus years ago, I should say. Uh, The 44-year-old signed a one-year deal with the New York Islanders. So he's going to be playing for Barry Trotz, which should be interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't think that he's going there to be a a 10-minute-a-night guy. I don't think that he's going there to be a, a a seventh defenseman. I think that he's going to go there and he's going to give them everything he can. But, he, I mean, he said that he discussed it with his family, the fact that he was going to be away from them, whether he should play another year or not. Um, it was a, a interesting little snippet that I saw on, on, on Nesson. I also like the fact that while he's talking and in the background they show, like, old highlight reels from – when he played with the with the Islanders and the clip that they were showing, he was getting he was getting physical and getting bounced into the boards by Sergei Samsonov. And I'm just thinking, David and Goliath. Um, Center of gravity has a lot <laughs> to do with with hockey. You six cannot nine, escape physics. Physics. Six nine. Five eight. <laughs> On t- in skates, yes. <laughs> in skates, okay, fine. You're going to insist that Samsonov was five eight in skates. I'll take it. He was he was a fire plug to say the least. But yeah, he's sitting there and he's he's banging and banging on Chara, banging him into the boards behind the net, and I was like, that's Sergey Samsonov. He's banging a six foot nine guy. Of course, don't get me wrong. Back then he was he was young. He was a rookie. He played for Mike Milbury actually. Yep. Um, but yeah, back with. He was a third-round pick in 1996 of the New York Islanders. 
And, and most people had no idea who he was. This is true. Uh, uh, the thing is that he does, it says here, he brings a wealth of experience. Yeah. Kind uh, of. Ranks first in plus minus and second in games played among active NHL players. Six foot nine, 250 pounds, tallest player in NHL history. And it, it, it's a, it says here that it looks to be somewhat of an insurance policy for the Islanders who traded Nick Letty to the wings and and got panicked back. So I, I don't see him as being one of these guys that's just kind of a fill-in every now and again. I think that, that Barry Trotz has got a plan for him. Um, I'm... I mean, it's Barry Trotz. I would assume if he didn't have a plan the day before he, the guy was uh, any guy was signed or traded for, that he'd have a plan by the time the guy got to the arena. I don't see any reports of what the contract is, and I, I, I it's seventeen to, million a year. I was going to say I failed to actually get over to. Cap it's definitely friendly. seventeen million a year. Oh, is it seventeen? Wow. Did they have that kind of? Because it says terms were undisclosed. Uh, and it's a it's a seven year contract. Seven years at forty four years old. Wow. Well, it is the Dano Chara. <laughs> so seven years. Well, considering the and we've discussed it at length. Considering the fitness of this guy. Yeah, I mean, it, he's, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he could play. It, it also is more. <laughs> it it is also a physical game, but yeah, the way this guy keeps himself in shape, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he does. I don't know. I I think it's getting tougher and tougher to convince Mrs. Chara. <laughs> What's her name? Tatiana. Yeah. I think it might be getting tougher and tougher to convince her that he need he wants to play or or should play or. Plus, he is a family man. I mean, he's. On more than you know, on more than one occasion, come out and talk to about his family. He raves about his family, loves his kids. Yeah. So yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't it all surprise me if he if if this was the last hurrah going back to the team that drafted him? Maybe one more year, depending on how this year goes. But I gotta think that he's gonna be done sooner than later. I I honestly can't imagine anyone playing till fifty in the NHL. I mean. At this point, Zdeno Chara probably has a hockey bag that's older than at least a third of his teammates, um, much less, you know, I mean, he's already played longer than almost all of them will will even consider playing. They showed a list on on when they talked about it on this and they showed a list of the players that were not yet born. When he was drafted back in 1996 and we're talking like a dozen and a half players on the on the Islanders, and that's all it was, was just Islanders players. Yeah. We're talking like 15 to 18 players that were not yet born, two of them being Barzal and Beauvillier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just uh, – it says here in Cap Friendly, since I had the moment to pick it up. Um, it says nothing. Cap, oh, oh, is it just – Numbers thrown in to fill it in. Uh, it when says, I looked a minute ago, it said zero. 
Uh, 35 plus contract. Uh, oh, that's the Capitals contract. You're right. There is nothing here about the Islanders deal. They yeah. really are keeping it undisclosed. Sorry, folks. I was hoping to be able to break something, but uh, not this time, however. Yeah, it, it'll probably be out Tuesday or Wednesday when the um, league office has processed everything. But I mean, could, now, we honestly th- could we honestly think that it's anything more, you know, anything more than what the Capitals deal was? I mean, it'll they, be they, like a million dollars. He'll have some kind of bonus for games played and uh, or, or minutes played or something. And then, yeah, how they do in the playoffs and stuff like that. That would be my guess. But, yeah, I, I can't imagine it's for more than a million or two. And I think he, he his desire to play is just it, it's overwhelming. It really is. I don't know how he keeps convincing Tatiana that he wants to play. She's going to be like, get home now. <laughs> yeah. But good luck to him. Seriously, we'll get to see him and, and we'll get to see him a lot. And of course, he'll be he'll be a Bruins killer or, or at least attempt to because he's with the Islanders. So we'll see him frequently. Uh, let's see. After after Chara, Andy Green is the next oldest player on the team. Mm-hmm. Andy Green is still six years younger than him. Wow. Uh, the number, the youngest player projected for the roster is Barz, probably Barzal at 24. Um, oh no, Noah Dobson. So Noah Dobson was, he was on the list. Was three years before Noah Dobson was born that Zdeno Chara was drafted. <laughs> He's going to have to go back. Same for Wallstrom. Uh, oh yes, Oliver Wallstrom was on the list. Yep. When Oliver Wallstrom made himself internet famous with his uh, with his shootout goals, Zdeno Chara had already been playing more than a decade in the NHL. Uh, you're yeah, gonna have to bad. go back. You're bad. gonna have to go back and watch the draft on video. <laughs> what? Who's this guy? Oh wait, he's the guy that was drafted back then. Okay, yeah. It, it, the man's still playing and. Whether he's lost a step or not, and yeah, he probably isn't as fast as he was ten, five, you know, years ago. But can he still play defense? Can you? You can't teach what he has physically as far as reach and and size and physicality. So and the intangibles are still there. Correct. And 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 that experience, playoff experience, the. I mean, what he's going to be able Just to share experience in that experience with some of the biggest uh, playing against some of the biggest stars in the league. Um, you know, when you talk about your Sidney Crosby's and Evgeny Malkins and uh, you talk about Patrick Kane and McDavid, um, you know, you talk about any of the guys over in Toronto um, or Colorado. The fact that he's there to distribute that knowledge to some of the younger players that's as that's going to have as big an impact on the career of those younger guys, as long as they bother to listen as having Barry Trotz as their head coach. Something tells me a guy that big and with that much to say, sitting in your locker room and he's already been a captain of a franchise for a decade. Something tells me those guys aren't. What's that? 
I didn't say anything. Oh, okay. Yeah, got it. Bad cough. I still don't. I still don't see most of them getting up. Uh, or or I, I would like to say any of them, but there's always one getting up and and not listening to what he has to say. But yes, I I'm sure there's going to be somebody who's not going to listen. And shame on them. Well, maybe they'll get married early. <laughs> yes. So. Um, we, we talked about a couple of people that, uh, have, uh, had changes in their status. Um, I think that Jack Eichel is going to have, uh, a change in his status real soon. And unfortunately for all of us who are sick of hearing about it or thinking about it or attempting to come up with something new to say about it, it's probably not going to be a trade. Well, Kevin Adams is holding out for, I don't know, the world, I guess. Uh, he wants to make sure that this deal is is friendly to him and, and the Buffalo Sabres. So, uh, yeah, no deals, no potential deals, no nothing. But it says here, and I read it, so it's got to be real, but it says here in USA Today that he will travel to Buffalo for his pre-training camp physical. I'm going to assume that he's going to fail. That that's the safe money. Uh, I would have to uh, consult with Vegas to see what the line is, but given how adamant uh, Eichel has been about getting the artificial disc surgery, yeah. Um, and the fact that someone was willing to perform it on on a player in a sport that it hasn't been done yet. Um, I I have the sneaking suspicion that yeah he's he's going to fail, and you know I, what? I like the way they phrase it. Go. I like the way they phrase it here in the article. <clears throat> Should Eichel fail his physical? <laughs> should they be in parentheses like a, a, a an LOL or something after should? Yes, uh, yes, and, okay. definitely. Should Eichel fail his physical, the Sabres would be left with the option of placing him on injured reserve or long-term injured reserve because the injury is hockey-related. Had Eichel elected to not report for camp, the Sabres would have had the option to suspend the player. Good call for Jack just to show up, even if he knows and then I'm sure it's in his head, in, in his on his mind that he's not going to pass because, I don't know, the, the whole back thing seems like it's kind of important that it works properly. Yeah, the whole constant nagging pain probably is an indicator. So yeah. I'm guessing he knows he's not going to pass, but by showing up, he for, he he allows the team to do what they need to do money-wise. So now he's a team-friendly guy still, and he avoids being suspended, which is a negative on him. So it's kind of like a – it was kind of like a no-brainer that he was going to show up. I mean, yes, we're talking about it because it's Jack Eichel. If it was Joe Schmo of the Arizona Coyotes, we probably wouldn't be talking about it. I don't know. I think Joe Schmo is playing second-line wing this year. 
Oh, I figured we could trade for him and make him a center. The difference of opinion over how to treat the injury led to Eichel questioning whether he wants to continue playing for Buffalo. Some tells me I don't. He doesn't want to play for Buffalo anyway, and this just kind of tipped the scales. I, I don't think there's any question in his mind anymore. Something tells me, yeah, this with everything that's going on, I don't think he wants to be there. But I, I mean, it, it's USA Today. Somebody obviously with more connections than me. Uh, wrote this article, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who wrote this article. AP. Oh, okay. AP seems like he gets a lot of stories. He does, uh, or she does. Uh, and then it talks about the fact that he changed his agents and he went with, he left the Peters, Fish and Donatelli, to go with CAA and Pat Brisson, who is like the Drew Rosenhaus of the NFL um, and, and baseball. He manages to squeeze every last dollar out of an organization and into the player's contract. Um, I just, at, at some point, Kevin Adams is going to have to either cut his losses and just say, look, I'm going to get what I'm going to get and that's it. Mm-hmm. Or he's going to be sitting on this powder keg that at some point is going to blow up in his face. Yep. And, oh, by the way, the guy that you were trying to figure out what to do with is not going to play for your organization. I mean, if you put him on long-term IR, you still don't want him to have the surgery, which he wants to have, which other, which has said that he can succeed and continue playing with it. But you don't want to believe that. You wanted him to do the rehab and the, the back and forth. And it's just like, ah, it's frustrating. And... There's also the other aspect of this that is not good. I mean, this is already added on top of being a bottom-feeding team for a decade. Um, This isn't going to do your relationship with players any good. It's not going to make it easier to sign quality free agents. Players aren't going to waive their no trades to go there. And, oh, by the way, if he doesn't trade him this year, next year a no-trade clause kicks in on his contract. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I think that given how much Eichel wants out of town, that's not I mean, that are we looking? Deal. Are we looking at a deadline deal here, or is this going to be done before next year's free agency period or next year's draft? I mean, do we see him starting the season Oh, he's going to start the season as a member of the Buffalo Sabres. It's just he's going to be on injured reserve. Um, honestly, the team is going to be terrible. Yes, worse than terrible. Um, <laughs> uh, what, what, what was the race it? The we race for thirty-two. I was going to say, what were we accusing Arizona of? <laughs> yeah, the race for thirty-two is going to be amazing this year. Um. <laughs> I, I think we're going to get to April uh, or certainly the end of March, and it's going to be an open question as to whether the team, the point total between Arizona and Buffalo would get a, a decent team into the playoffs. And at this point, my answer is probably not. I'm Maybe add 15. I'm wondering if there's a prop bet in, in Vegas that, you know, what is the 
number of points that Arizona or Buffalo will have at the end of the season, plus or minus 30. <laughs> I wouldn't go plus or minus 30 if I were Vegas. It would be plus or minus like three points, and I would set the number at like 62. And if the number is 62, I'm taking the under. You think they get 62 points? No. <laughs> I don't think no. either team combined they may get to 62 points. <laughs> if either team gets to 55 points, I will be flabbergasted. I mean, I just, I, yeah, I don't. I Buffalo is, right now, I, I hate to say it, Buffalo is kind of toxic. Nobody's going to want to go there because of what they're doing. With, ding, ding, with, ding. Nobody's going to want to go there. Sorry. Just the way it is. You are not offending me. I have, I have been uh, on that train for a while, um, and it's it's uh, it's an open question when it's going to end, since I don't see ownership as being part of the solution. I mean, I don't I don't even know if there's not just Eichel getting traded because it's certainly not going to happen before the beginning of the season. I don't think there's any more deals that are going to. I actually think that based on what we're seeing from Seattle, that we might actually see one or two deals. Uh, Before the beginning of the season? Yeah. They're going to be late camp deals with a couple of people being moved out rather than being sent to the minors. Okay. So depth moves more than anything else? Oh, yeah. They'll they'll come back. Uh, they'll be taking picks and prospects back. So... The Bruins don't have a hope in filling that second line center role. Depends on who you ask. I mean, there are people out there who think that, you know, San Jose is getting ready to move someone. Well, I did find an article and this is published one week ago. It was on the 12th, which was the date of our last show. And uh, this is from your friend and mine, Joe Haggerty where it says there may be a new white whale when it comes to the Bruins search for a crazy replacement as the number two center. And I, he got me all excited because I actually wouldn't mind seeing this guy in a Bruins uniform. And he's saying that, um, San Jose shark, Thomas hurdle would be the, would be an ideal choice to fill in that second line center role. And, I don't have a problem with it knowing I mean if you watch San Jose this guy plays all phases this he, he's he he kills penalties he scores a lot of, he scores shorthanded goals he's he's on the power play he can score he's a good he's a good faceoff man I'm not going to say great yep. or very good but he's a good faceoff man he, he's just an all-around good 200 foot player I like Tomas Hurdle I wouldn't have a problem with it. The question is, can they fit him? What would they have to give up? Uh, I mean, they can probably fit him. I just don't know that. I don't know. I just have a hard time buying any of the longtime Sharks as playoff performers. Thomas Hurley yeah, as, play- as a playoff performer? I don't. I don't see him as a move the needle type guy in the playoffs. Really? I don't see anyone on that team 
who's been, who has spent a lot of time on that team as a move the needle type player. Not Logan Couture, not um, I, I just don't. Uh, let's see playoff stats, playoff stats, NHL playoffs. He has 62 career playoff games, 42 points. Uh, he's a plus nine. Uh, Fifteen of those, 15 of his 24 playoff goals are even strength. Eight on the power play, one shorthanded, five game winners. Uh, face-off percentage in the playoffs, 57.2. And he averages slightly over 19 minutes a night. Yeah. Uh, I've seen the numbers. 108 hits. So he's not, I mean, he's not a huge hitter, but he's also not a man of slight build. I mean, he's he's got some beef to him. I, I I don't have a problem with bringing this guy in. I think that if they were to pull it off, and and the question is, do we trust you know the general manager to make such a move, uh, which may or may not no. be? Yeah, I don't see that happening. I think that if I had to go, if I had to go with uh, back to the Vegas thing, uh, whether he would make a trade, whether he could pull it off, I don't think he would or could. Career face-off percentage is 53 regular season, mm-hmm. and it goes up to 57 in the playoff. I mean, seriously, I, good face-off man, good all-around player. Doesn't have as many shorthanded. Uh, doesn't have as many shorthanded goals as I thought. He's only got five. I thought he had more. Yep, he's got three shorthanded assists, but. I like his game. I like it. He's he, he 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 can be physical, and he's only 27 years old. I I didn't say he was old. I didn't say he was terrible. I just don't buy it. Okay. But based on what's available, since Dvorak's no longer available, mm-hmm. I mean, is there any other name that you could think of? that might be a better solution. Gabriel Landeskog. Really? I mean, I don't think he's actually available. Well, he just signed a long-term deal with Colorado. Yeah. But, and I don't know that Sackick's going to deal because what he just had to go through to actually sign him, because it wasn't exactly the most um, amicable of negotiations from what I understand. No, no, it wasn't. But Landeskog to center the second line, is he a center? I mean, I know he plays wing. McKinnon actually centers that line, but when they play together. Off the top of my head, I really, really don't remember. Um, And it tends to change, uh, and their power play formation is different than, obviously, their five-on-five, so... I mean, points-wise, I mean, he's a year older than Hurdle. He's got more. He's got more points. Uh, played more more years. He's a ten-year veteran now. Um, oh look, career faceoff percentage fifty-three. So similar there. He plays a couple of more minutes a night in the regular season. Uh, shorthanded goals in his career. Oh look, five. 
I think he's a little bit more physical than Hurdle is. Playoffs wise, he's got 49 career playoff games, 45 points. Not bad. And but his faceoff percentage in the playoffs is eek scary. Oh. 51 and a half. Yeah, drops a couple of points. I mean, that's not terrible. You're still winning but, more than half. But he still, I mean, he plays 21 minutes a night in the playoffs on it in, in his career. So I mean, the guys clearly relied upon i just all right i can see landis gog as a as a as a as a possibility as well although like we said long term i just i just don't i just think that there's a lot worse you can do than than hurdle at center and and playing center by committee on the second line is not going to win you any um chemistry points uh as far as no. that line is concerned i the Bruins front office made a big miss when it came to getting uh, to getting a second line center this offseason. They bungled uh, Krejci, and I'm they, worried. I'm they, worried the same thing is going to happen with Bergeron. Did they bungle it, or was Krejci just set on going home anyway? I mean, that's one thing I'm not sure I'm sold on. They were fixated on him coming back. Okay. And I think they ignored all the single signals that he wasn't because even after he was saying, yes. I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. And even like, what was it a week or two ago when they were still like, there was oh, still but there's a chance he's going to come back. And, 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 and he's like, um, I'm not co- read my lips. <laughs> I'm not coming back. <laughs> I'm going to play the whole season here. I'm going to stay here. <laughs> My family is here. <laughs> yeah. I think that, yes, I do believe that they bungled it in the hopes that he was going to. I mean, granted, he did kind of keep them on the ropes as far as as his decision. He didn't exactly come right out and make it immediately. He kind of kept them a little bit in the dark. He probably could have been firmer sooner, but. There's only so much that you can do. And don't you, as a as a general manager, don't you want to have contingency plans in case, you know, okay, this is what's going to happen if he says, yes, he's coming back. This is what's going to happen in case he says no. Well, if you're trying to be responsible and make sense, yes, of course you do. Oh, I'm using that L&R thing again. If you're in love with your own brilliance, maybe not. <laughs> Are you trying to say something here? I said what I said. Okay. We'll, we'll stick with that. I just, okay, so yes, I think Hurdle would be a decent option. I'm not saying he's the ideal option, but I don't think, I think that they could, at this particular point in time, I think they could do a lot worse than than Thomas Hurdle. And I part of me thinks that doing this whole center by committee thing is is doing worse. You're not going to develop the chemistry that that top line has. And yeah, yeah but I think I don't know if that's replicable anyways. I mean, what, Bergeron and Marchand have played together okay. all of Marchand's career. They have, but Pasta was. Pasta has moved in, back and forth, but. When he moves back to that line, though, it's like he's never been gone. 
And that's – I do believe you're right. I don't think that that tight-knit that, – that, that knowing where the other guy is without having to look, without having to even – think about it's more of a feel thing and you know you just know okay i'm going to drop this pass and i know he's behind me i don't have to look you know and and part of i mean part of the reason that he fits in so well with bergeron and marchand is when he joined the line they were already at a point where they didn't have to look for each other um so they only had to track him and that just opened the door to the sort of ridiculous chemistry that we see today which was a riot because when they originally drafted pasta the talk was that they were going to stick him on the second line with Krejci because they're both uh yeah Czechoslovakian Czechs yeah they're both Czechs and language barrier and this and that and then and they were going to work well together and oops and they did yeah oh they did but they did not that well the, to- the way he works with the other two is just, I mean, it's otherworldly. Hand and glove is is not quite definitive enough or descriptive enough. And that line is just, I mean, Rafter's line says it all, like you said. It, it, these guys just play so well off each other. I would like to see some semblance of that on the second line, and I don't think we're going to get it if we're constantly swapping out centers. Oh, you worry too much. I worry that Taylor Hall is going to get unhappy. And I think a happy Taylor Hall is a goal-scoring Taylor Hall. Is that important? I don't know. Let's see. Depth scoring, second line scoring. Um, I've never heard of those concepts before. Relying on just those top three guys to put all the pucks in the net. I'm thinking, yeah, it might be a little bit important. I don't know. I heard it somewhere. I read it somewhere, too. Unpossible. It has has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, I played the game not at a professional level, but (laughs) it has something to do with, you know, a little bit of knowledge. I don't know. Yeah, I think having a center and developing chemistry with that line and keeping Taylor Hall happy is, they're all very good concepts. (laughs) I mean, this is a guy who's finally getting to play on the team that he's wanted to play for. Uh, And it was evident when he showed up here and it was like, that's not the guy who played for Buffalo. No. (laughs) It only took like a game or two before the Taylor Hall that played that glorious season in New Jersey showed back up. Uh Uh-huh. And I'd like to keep that Taylor Hall around as long as possible. Um, you just, and everyone else who enjoys Bruins hockey. Just saying. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the whole center by committee thing just doesn't fly with me. Sorry, Don. Uh, and, 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 yeah. We could considerably go from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast. Speaking of physical play, and, and we've spoken a lot about physical play and, and whatnot. Um, it says here, can the Kraken play a physical style? Of course they can. The real question is, can they do it successfully? Ah. So 
just reading this article, and this is a gentleman by the name of Jeff Baker who writes for the covers hockey for the Seattle Times. And he did himself a, a little mailbag and took some questions. Uh, the first interesting thing that he writes about is how the team's first training camp uh, at the $80 million community iceplex and um, fans wishing to attend camp workouts must first join the team's official membership program called The Depths to get tickets. And then they're going to release them. Now, you and I didn't have to join anything special to go see development camp or to go to training camps, which we've done in the past. Absolutely not. So I just thought it was interesting that in order to, I mean, is it just the fact that it's so popular that they have to somehow control the audience? The numbers. It must be that it's so popular because it wouldn't be, I mean, I can't imagine that it would be like an underhanded way of doing contract contact tracing without actually telling people they're doing contact tracing because that, that would just be wrong. It does say here, all guests 12 and over must show proof of being fully vaccinated and wear a mask at all times. So it is a possibility, I hate to say, but no, uh, no, it just very interesting to me. And then we get on to the first question, which was about that physicality on opening day. What is one thing you're excited about watching when it comes to the team? And he says that he really wants to see the degree to which the Kraken employs a relentless physical approach because, let's face it, and I'm reading directly from the article here, Mike, the team right from the article, the team probably won't score its way out of trouble. (laughs) Unthinkable. This is a guy who's writing, covering the Seattle Kraken. Saying that they're not going to score themselves out of trouble. I, I just, uh, I just don't believe that. I mean, everyone, everyone looking at this team as they were drafted in Seattle in the expansion draft remarked upon how enormous the scoring potential of that roster is. Enormous. I was just, I mean, I was just commenting on it before the show as to all the the. 25 30 goal scores that this team was going to have I mean, absolutely i mean i i really like morgan geeky and i really and, and mason appleton looks like a good young player and then they got alexander wenberg who's oh wait no he doesn't score he's a more of a distributor he gets a lot of assists and he's a good he's, he's a, a good centerman again not going to say great or, or 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 whatever but where are the goals coming from again um, possibly the goalies. Oh, okay. Um, that I, I they got Grubauer and they've got Chris Dreger from Florida, which I thought was actually a decent pick in, in the expansion draft because he was going to languish in obscurity down in Florida with Spencer Knight and the ten million dollar man there, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. I think Chris Dreger was the odd man out. <sighs> I mean, potentially, I guess, Jordan Eberle, um, maybe Yanni Gord, although where he was playing in Tampa Bay, the, the everybody scored. So do we have we seen the real Yanni Gord? I mean, or have I we don't seen think the Tampa- I don't I don't think Yanni Gord is scoring 25 goals this season. Just a hunch. I firmly believe that, yeah, the players around him. 
I'm not saying that he's a bad player. I'm not, and I wouldn't go that far. But I just don't think that. I don't think it's fair to make expectations of him based on what he did on a team as heavily weighted toward goal scoring as Tampa Bay was. If that makes sense. Absolutely. But I still don't see him scoring, uh, being a major contributor uh, to the scoring. No, and I have to agree. I just that's that was my big argument is where is this? And it's interesting because it says and the similarly styled Vegas Golden Knights will be a great barometer for where the Kraken is at. I don't think you should use the Golden Knights as your barometer. I, I, yeah, no. No, this roster is not even even allowing for the lower expectations I had of the Vegas Golden Knights than what they achieved in their first two or three seasons. This is not that roster. I just I I mean the way that the way that George McPhee and yes, I almost want to use the word genius with George McPhee because what he did he had a five year plan and that five year plan was basically blown up in the first season. <laughs> it was yep. pretty much whatever he had planned, he had to rejigger the plan. <laughs> because yeah, we made it to the Stanley Cup final in our inaugural season. So whatever plan we had is gone. Bye bye. Because <laughs> now we have to maintain. I mean, it's one thing to plan for being, you know, a middle of the road team, maybe a, a first round playoff team. But and then you can grow from there. But to sit there and say we're still growing and oh, by the way, we made the Stanley Cup final. Uh, you're you growing grow into. Yeah. We're, growing into what? You've already managed to get to the top you didn't win i get that washington finally got their cup for for ovechkin but basically at that point it's maintained and now it's now you're going to be making deals and all the youngins that you thought you were keeping you're going to have to deal to get veteran players to maintain but they've been able to do that deep runs into the playoffs what two of their two or three of their four-year existence Mm-hmm. I don't think that's fair to do that to the Kraken, and I don't think that saying they're a great barometer is I, – I don't agree with that at all. It makes no sense whatsoever. Oh, and I love this one. You're going to love this one. Sit, you're sitting down? I am sitting down. That's a good thing. So after the opener and, – and this is Jeff speaking again. After the opener, I want to see how this approach is sustained. There's a belief around the NHL that – High energy players are the new undervalued currency to offset a lack of pure goal scoring. <sighs> and this is this is something that would even make Claude Julian shake his head because uh-huh. <laughs> this is the type of thing that Claude Julian has been talking about for 25 years at this point. Give me a guy who will work his butt off, a Danny Paye, and I'll put him on the ice enough that he will score. Might not score 25 goals, but he's going to score more here being encouraged to use his feet and use his head than that. Mer- that Merlot line was something else. What was that? Thornton, Campbell and Paye? Danny Paye. <sighs> and but- Paye-, Paye was the goal scorer on that line. 
Hey, and Sean Thornton had that ridiculous dangle uh, uh, coming out of the play oh, out of the was, penalty box. That was brilliant. Uh, I will like see if I can find that clip and tweet it out uh, around Sean the time the show goes out. But mm-hmm. it, it's this is just one of those basic things that you should understand about any sport. So, so work hard. Yeah. Be at least, at minimum, be able to skate. And with those two things, you can stay in the NHL a lot longer than really fluffy, flashy skill guys with great hands who cannot get up the ice. Um, There's a couple of guys who played here, who were drafted here in Boston, who had great hands, but couldn't skate. Where are they now? Mostly retired. I just love I love the fact that, you know, high energy players are a new undervalued currency to offset a lack of pure goal scoring. So, you know, we lost this game. We couldn't get the puck in the net. But did you see the way those guys were moving around the ice? Did you scoring still that- helps, but you're more likely to score if you can get somewhere near the net, which is, I oh, think, what he's oh. trying to say. OK, well, that's nice of you to say that because I took it as. I took it as almost an excuse for the fact that they don't have goal scorers. And he actually goes on to mention, oh, look, the two guys we mentioned, Yanni Gord and, and Jordan Everly, as you know, playoff contributors to the high-energy style. I also like the fact that he mentions that the regular season is more marathon than sprint. No. Oh, yeah. It says you're right. The regular season is more marathon than sprint. 82 games, 32 cities. No. Jog in the park. Jog in the park. I also like the fact that he throws out the, you have to make the playoffs before you can think about winning a Stanley Cup. What? Say that again a little more slowly. Direct direct line. You have to make the playoffs before you can think about winning a Stanley Cup. I'm gonna have to write that down. And that that oh yeah, that's that that's gonna go on the wall as a as a personal mantra. I mean, I suppose you could ask the Vegas Golden Knights in their inaugural season if if that's true. They had to make the playoffs, and then they thought about winning a Stanley Cup. Didn't happen. But I just I I want to see the Kraken succeed. I don't want them to be this. The, this, the, the expansion team, like some of the expansion teams in the NFL that have never grown and, and they're still kind of the, the the laugh track for the league. I don't want that for the Kraken. I want to see them succeed, just like I wanted to see Vegas succeed. And I just don't see where their goal scoring is coming from. Their defense is... is <laughs> Interesting, but I think there's a lot of offensive defensemen, and I don't see a whole lot of defense on the defensive. I mean, Giordano, maybe Lozon. Uh, Alexiak is kind of like an in-between, but I know you don't like him, and that's fine. I can accept that. But the rest of the guys that they got, the flurries, the they're all offensive defensemen. 
Yeah, I, I, I was not impressed during the expansion draft. I was less impressed with the moves that they made before and after. And that said, this team could still make the playoffs because the West is terrible. Uh, uh, squishy. I believe I'm not being that nice today. Oh, okay. Squishy, but not squishy. Just not good. Terrible. Terrible is a good word. Yeah. In fact, it may be an overstatement, but. Ouch. uh, I mean, as as far as everything else in the mailbag, they talk about um, somebody asked if the Kraken were going any free agents. And it says here that they they announced the that they had signed. And we already know this um, former Bruin, former shock Ryan Donato to a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar one way deal. Um, I do like that. He explains that because it's because he signed a one-way deal, he'll likely make the team over guys with two-way deals. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's stunning. Well, because two-way contracts, you can send them down without having to clear waivers. And one-way deal means, yeah, you'd probably lose, especially if you know somebody else can get them for, I don't know, half of what you're paying them, which is a pittance anyway I I, I mean I want to see them, like I said I want to see them succeed but I'm nervous that aside from the fact that yes they are kind of a, a not good western conference or not good pacific division Both, they yeah. still they still have a chance outside as it may be yeah I mean, they're not they're not going to be competing with Buffalo and Arizona for the 32nd uh, spot in the league. But, yeah, I I think it's pretty safe to to go out on this very, very thin limb. They're not winning the president's trophy this year. Wow. I know what, what limb is that tree growing on? One of the sequoias down there in California. No, no, no. It's a it's a new it's a newly sprouted uh, weeping willow. Okay, that's in. All right. Yeah. Uh, NBC Sports has projected um, early projections for Canada's 2022 Olympic men's hockey rosters. They've got projections from three or four different writers on the site, and one of the more staggering, at least to me. Uh, names that's really only on two of the rosters uh, is defenseman uh, Thomas Shabbat. Uh, James O'Brien has him on on the defense, and the other one is Michael Feinwax. Uh, the other guys all leave him off, which I'm just plain confused by. Yes, I really, really like Kale McCarr and Alex Petriangelo. Um, it's really, really hard to argue against uh, Shea Theodore. Um, I don't know why Morgan Riley appears on anybody's list. Adam Gretz's list. Uh, or Sean just, or Sean Lee. Uh, I, I just don't get that one why at all. Is, why is Morgan Riley there? 
and a couple of the writers have the have Bergeron, Marchand, and Sidney Crosby as their third line. Um, I do like O'Brien's second line, which is Marchand, Brash, uh, Marchand, Bergeron, and Braden Point from left to right. Um, that could be a whole bunch of fun. Yes, that could be a very whole bunch of fun. And as long as you're not playing against them, because they will shut you down in a hurry. Um, well, you already know that two of the three on that line are, are top-notch, uh, dare I say, elite at shutdown 200-foot uh, hockey. That would be, oh, wait, the Martian and Bergeron part of the line. I like Braden Point. I don't know that he's a – I don't know that he's at their level yet as far as Does he really have to be shutdown. But playing on that line, he doesn't have to be. You're right. Um, playing on that line, I mean, you better hold your own because I don't think Bergeron or Marchand will will be shy about letting you know if you aren't holding your own. No, uh, I think the I think the goaltending is somewhat surprising because while three of them have exactly the same three goalies in different order, um, Kemper, uh, Darcy Kemper, Carey Price, and Marc Andre Fleury. It's kind. It's really, really interesting that on Adam Gretz's uh, list, he actually slides Carey. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Carter Hart into the mix and leaves Darcy uh, Kemper out ahead of Kemper. Though I don't know if I'd buy that. Not yet. You know what? I, I I'm given the age of the three goaltenders. I'm more likely to leave Carey Price off. Well, when you're reading this, yeah, and I agree. But when you're reading, uh, it was Adam Gretz, and and this is the defensive one. It says, if Drew Doughty, PK Subban, Giordano, or Burns are anywhere on this roster, it is out of loyalty and reputation and nothing more. Could that be why Carey Price is on these rosters? Uh, almost certainly. Could that be why Mark Andre Fleury is on these rosters? In fairness, I mean, Carey Price did appear in the Stanley Cup final last year with a not good team in front of him. Right. They, I mean, did and the team play well? Yes. Um, but were they a good team? Not really. I mean, it's interesting. Gret says Flurry and Price are the slam dunk choices because, well, they are still the two best Canadian goalies and can still play at a high level. I don't know. I mean, Carey Price, uh, yes, he looked like at most of the – he looked like the Carey Price of old. But we have to and, – and I don't like to use asterisks and whatnot, but you have to look at the fact that it was a shortened season. Yes, it was compacted as well, but it was a shortened season. He shared the net with uh, Allen. Yeah, for the 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 goaltender formerly of St. Louis. I mean, um, Price did have a 9.24 save percentage through 22 playoff games, so it's not completely ridiculous. But is that number something that he's been consistent with? Well, they haven't made the play, they haven't made the playoffs, but I mean, wasn't that, he I mean, a sub 90 
save percentage during the regular season like a couple of years ago or close to 900 or something? Yeah, he was in – in fact, last season he was a 901. Jake Allen played more games and had a better save percentage. So, um, again, it goes back to is Carey Price really one of the two best Canadian goaltenders available? That's a really I'm just, good question, but I don't I don't know that it matters since he's probably going to make the team. Darcy Kemper, 27 games played last season and only had a 907. So, I mean, he wasn't great last year either. But year before that, 928. Year before that, 925. In in Arizona. Yeah. I mean, a 907 in Arizona is definitely better, even allowing for a terrible um and his goals against 2.33 in 18-19. Even allowing for that terrible division. <laughs> but I'm more time. impressed by that than Price's 901. I mean, I, if you just look at the playoffs from last year, Canadian goaltenders. Yeah. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury had a... Wait a minute. Um... No, they didn't actually play 26 games in the playoffs. Um, no, Mark Andre Fleury playoffs last year, 16 playoff games. Uh, okay. He went 918 save percentage. 918 goals against of 2.04. Um, for the seven Canadian goaltenders who played last year out of mm-hmm. 16 teams, that number is surprisingly low to me. That is kind of low, yeah. Um, Carey Price, 924 in 22. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, 918 in 16. And then you're jumping down to Cam Talbot at 923 um, in seven games. They're not. Cam Talbot is not being selected for the Olympic team. Probably not. He's the same age as uh, Carey Price, you know, a third less minutes uh, played in the league. Um, I, yeah, Cam Talbot is not going. Sorry. I think that those three goaltenders, unless, unless there's something amazing that happens in the first half of the season, first quarter of the season, I think those are going to be the three guys. I mean, Carter Hart. Third year, played 20, again, played 27 games. An 8.77 save percentage and a 3.67 goals against. And even his two years prior, he had a 9.14 and a 9.17. I mean, it, it, I don't understand. I, I understand Philly was looking at him as the savior. He was going to be the next, you know, elite goaltender. And he still could be. I'm not saying that it's out of the range of realm of possibility i think he's going to be very good and not elite or whatever term you want to use i know we use that term for the guy here in boston but yeah well he certainly is oh yeah um you know there's there's cases to be made for other players if you look at the last three regular seasons put together Uh canadian goaltenders who have played at least 95 games um darcy kemper 922 uh save percentage and we know I like Darcy Kemper, so it's kind of you know a little biased there, but okay. Jordan Bennington, Stanley Cup, and a 915. Yeah, no. 
Marc Andre Fleury is at, is still at a 914 over 145 games. Carey Price is at 912 over 147 games. Uh, but an interesting, and I don't like the word, but it it's probably the best fit. Uh-huh. Afterthought, Mackenzie Blackwood. I like Mackenzie Blackwood. I really do. The kid, and, and, and he's got nothing in front of him in New Jersey. I'm sorry, but nothing. And that's the thing. He's got 90, a 9-11 save percentage in 105 games. So and it's he's gonna with a nothing team in front of him. Put him put put him in net behind the Bruins defense. Put him in net behind I don't know the 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 defense uh, that in Carolina. Defense, put him in Carolina. Put him in put him in net behind in behind Carolina's defense. Good call. Put or, him in net behind the uh, Panther the not Panthers the no uh, either Predators. the Panthers or the Lightning have a have a reasonable defense. Certainly put, a lot better than than the Devils. Put him in net behind the defense that the the Predators had like two, three years ago. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> his numbers skyrocket. I'm sorry, his numbers skyrocket. I, I think that Mackenzie Blackwood is a really good young goaltender. And, yeah, I don't think that he's going to get recognized because he's playing in New Jersey and he's playing behind a not – a non-existent defense and he might get, maybe if they improve, he might get noticed. Maybe he's got to, I don't know, save, make saves on his head or something. I don't know, but he's got to get to the playoffs. He has to make, he has to have a decent playoff round. Okay. Fair enough. I can see that. Cause he has zero playoff experience and I don't know that he's actually played. Um, let's see what international champion. He's played one world championship game and that's it. One championship game. He's never been in like world juniors or anything. Uh, he played world juniors. His numbers there were not impressive, but that was 15, 16 season. Okay. Um, the world junior under 20. Yeah. His numbers are not great. Uh, He he needs to get into the NHL playoffs and, you know, at least make it out of the first round or throw up two shutouts and when lose the other two games, three, two or something like that, uh, or lose two games. Close. He might, he might need to be on a different team, unfortunately, to get that far. Yeah. Or New Jersey has to stop being worthy of the Pacific Division. <laughs> They're not battling for 32. <laughs> I don't think New Jersey is is quite there. Um I think that title still falls to Arizona and Buffalo. But I mean you look at New Jersey in front of him and okay, they brought in Dougie Hamilton. I forgot about that. Uh, yes, they did. I don't know that that actually helps the argument. <laughs> Sorry, I, did I say that out loud? Oops. You did, in fact, say that out loud. I mean, they brought in Ryan Graves from Colorado. I actually like Ryan Graves a little bit, yeah. Um, P.K. Subban's still there on his last year of his deal. 
I actually and like Damon Severson a little bit. Certainly yeah. his farewell tour. Yeah, this defense in front of him is not the best. But hey, they brought in Thomas Tatar and and Absolutely. And we know that's gonna over we know that's gonna change. I, I agree. I think that I I, I I think that they might need a change in goal. I don't know that I don't know that starting Carey Price or except for the fact that they have experience. I mean, I would go with Marc Andre Fleury of the guys most likely to be there. Um, okay, that's me. So you go Marc Andre Fleury, and backing him up is Kemper. Probably. That's what I'm thinking. I think I think I would probably go with Fleury to start, and then whoever had the best regular season up until. You leave for camp. Yeah, that's going to be your number two. I still don't get the Morgan Riley thing on defense. That one, uh, that one's beyond curious. I mean, I get Jacob Chikrin. Yeah, I get Pelek. I, I, I don't even know that I get. I mean, Dougie Hamilton. I, I don't even know that I get Dougie Hamilton on Gretz's team. I can pretty much guarantee you that Gretz chose purely on offensive stats. And and James O'Brien actually has it right with Theodore with Petrangelo, Pelek with Makar. Because the first one that I read, and that's why I got confused when I was reading it pre-show, was I thought this was the right. I'm like, why would you put Theodore and Makar together and then Pelek and Petrangelo? It doesn't make sense to me. But to split them up and put one with each, I mean, that I get. Yeah. And speaking of getting, uh, it is time to get ready for fantasy hockey. Uh, I uh, rebooted the leagues this year, and it looks like about half the people have re-signed up already. May need a few people. Um, Yahoo Leagues, uh, Rotisserie, if you're interested, drop me a DM on uh Twitter um, at PuckSage, obviously, and then uh, you can email me PuckSage at Yahoo, and I will look for uh, I will uh, get to you first if um, if there's uh, if there's going to be openings. Uh, auto auto or drafting online, and look forward to the season. I have to accept my invite. Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> I did see it pop up, but I have not yet gone into. Been a little preoccupied. Blah, 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 blah. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we leave you. Have a great week. We'll be back.